we're glad that you're here, whether you're here for the first time just to witness a friend or a family member get baptized, or you've been here since the very beginning. We're glad to see your face. And I've been teasing you all month long that I was going to tell you the story this morning of the one and only time that I believe that God used me to work a miracle in somebody else's life. So we talked the first couple weeks of this miracle series about how everybody wants God to do a miracle in their life. But over the last couple of weeks, and we'll finish up today, we're talking about the fact that not only does God want to do miracles in you, but that God actually wants to use you to transform the world around you in powerful, dare we say it, even miraculous ways. So I was 18 years old, and I was dating a girl named Amber. Not that Amber. This was a different Amber. Now, I've got to confess to you guys, got to confess to you guys, that I dated three Ambers in my life. And all of them were in a row, back to back to back to back. I had Amber one, there was Amber two, and then there was Amber Suiza, the one who became my wife. I like to tell her I had to find the right one. I knew it was going to be an amber, but I had to go through a few of them before I found the right one. That's how I earned my brownie points. So I was dating Amber One. She was a Christian and I was a new believer. I had only been a follower of Jesus for uh, maybe uh, a year and a half, two years. It was not long. And so I didn't understand a lot about church. I certainly didn't know the Bible. I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit or Jesus. Like, I just, I don't know. I was as immature a Christian as they come. And so my girlfriend, we went to school together and she went to a different church. I was a part of this church and their youth group. She had a different church. She was a part of their youth group. She invited me to come to their youth group one Wednesday night. And so I skipped mine. I went to hers and uh, we had a service. There were only about 12 kids there. It wasn't a particularly large group. And after the pastor, the youth pastor had all the kids stand in a circle and hold hands to pray. So as a teenage boy, you always knew when you went to church to stand next to the hot girl because the youth pastor was going to force her to hold your hand. So we're all standing in a circle. We start holding hands and Chris, the youth pastor says, hey, I'm going to pray and then we'll just leave a little room. And if you want to pray, then I want you to just feel free to pray. If you don't want to, that's cool. No big deal. So he prayed. One or two other kids prayed. There was a bit of awkward silence. And I thought, well, I could jump in and pray. I mean, like, I'm not particularly good at it, but I suppose I could, I could jump in. As I opened my mouth to pray, something very strange started to happen to me. I don't know how to explain it. It's going to make me sound kooky, and I don't know any other way than to just put it out there and you can think what you want of me. As I opened my mouth and started to pray, my hands started to clench like this. It's weird. Like, I wasn't nervous. It wasn't that it was something else. And I started to feel something that I had never experienced before. I had no language for it. It was like there was, I just, I was totally aware of what was going on, but I didn't understand what was happening. I was aware enough to think to myself, oh my gosh, the people on either side of me have got to think I am having a seizure right now. And then I started to pray. And when I prayed, it was a normal prayer. Like, it wasn't like all of a sudden I was like, dear God in heaven, we pray that thou would bless this youth. No, it was none of that. I was just praying. I'm like, and um, God, well, maybe you. Um. So I get through this prayer. I don't remember what I said, but it wasn't really that fantastic. And as soon as I say amen, the youth pastor says amen, and everybody scatters. 
He grabs me by the wrist and pulls me. And I'm thinking to myself, oh God, what did I say? What did I do? I'm about to get in trouble at somebody else's church. My youth pastor is going to be mad at me. He drug me into a room next door. And when he turned around, he was sobbing bawling his eyes out, you guys, in a way that made me very uncomfortable. I didn't know this guy. And he was like, (laughs) I'm serious. He calmed down and he said to me, Daniel, I don't know what just happened. And I'm saying, I don't know what just happened either. He said, today was supposed to be my last day in youth ministry. He said, I've been so frustrated. I haven't enjoyed it. I haven't seen any fruit, like no kids are coming. I don't see their lives being changed. He said, I have a letter written in my car and I was going to turn it into the senior pastor today. And he said, I don't know how, I don't know why, but when you prayed in the group just now, I sensed God telling me not to do that, that I should stick with it, that I should keep going. And he did and he's still in ministry today. Now, I have no explanation for this, you guys, none whatsoever. You say, well, of course, Daniel, you're a pastor. You were going to be a pastor, and so God would move powerfully through your prayers. Can I tell you that's not the case when I was 18 years old? I was an awkward man-child, you guys. Like, at that point, I think I was still wearing the same boxers day after day after day. I was not a mature human, much less a mature Christian, So it's not like there was anything special about me. And I'm telling you that the words that I spoke were not particularly special or powerful. And yet God used the little bit that I had to do something that I can only describe as a miracle. And some of you are skeptical and you say, yeah, maybe that wasn't a miracle. Maybe it's just coincidence. Maybe you just said something that hit his heart in the right way. And perhaps you're right. But it was such a powerful moment. It is a memory that is just burned into my mind that I choose to believe there was something else happening there, something that I have never experienced again in my life. Now, if you want God to show up powerfully in your life, then you are here on the right morning. Whether you're skeptical or you're all in, whether you're totally unsure about this whole Christianity thing or you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time and you've experienced multiple times where God has shown up in big, exciting, powerful, and transformative ways, I'm glad you're here this morning. This is week four of our series that we call Miracles. And if, you, if you, this is your first time and you didn't catch all the weeks before, you can always go online, connectcalgary.ca, and you can listen to the messages. In week one, I addressed the skeptic. How can any sane and logical person believe in something like miracles? That's stupid, right? Well, I do my best in 30 minutes to tell you how any person could believe in a God who would be at work miraculously in the world, and yet you can still have a brain in the process. In week number two, we talked about the fact that God wants to do miracles in your life. However, God does miracles for his glory and not your comfort. So if you're asking God to do a miracle to make you comfortable and happy, you're going to be waiting a long time. That's not why he does them. He does them for higher purposes than, uh, you know, filling our bank account or getting the hot chick at the office to finally go on a date with you. He's got other reasons. Then last week, we talked about the Holy Spirit and how he's often the missing component in Christians' lives. So if you've been a follower of Jesus for a while and it feels kind of dead and lifeless, it may be because you don't have an active relationship with the Holy Spirit. You've ignored him as the third member of the Godhead. So go back and listen to those messages. I think they'll be helpful to you. This morning, I wanna give you a framework 
for some ways that God could move miraculously in your life. I'm not saying he will. I'm not saying you have to become a nutcase or a lunatic. I'm just saying if you understand the scripture and what it teaches, then you might be on the lookout for ways in which God might use you to transform your office, to change the tone in your family, to help your neighborhood become a place where God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. So let's dive in. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. We're going to talk a little bit about spiritual gifts this morning. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse 1, there's a guy named Paul. He was one of the early Christians. He wrote a good chunk of the New Testament, and he writes a letter to the church in the city of Corinth, to the Corinthians. And so he says to the Corinthian church, now about spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be ignorant. And I would, echo Paul's sent- I would echo Paul's sentiment. I don't want you to be ignorant. Now, first of all, don't get offended when I say ignorant. Ignorant is not a mean word. It doesn't mean you're stupid. It just means you're uninformed. Maybe no one has ever taught you about the movement of the Holy Spirit in your life. No one has ever told you about the gifts that he wants to give you in order to make the world a better place. So don't get hung up on that. He says, I, I want to uh, teach you about spiritual gifts so that you will not be uninformed. Now let's focus on this word spiritual gifts for just a moment. In the Greek, you may know the New Testament is written in Greek. It wasn't written in English. We translate it. And in the Greek, the word for gifts is, let's put it on the screen, charisma. Now you say to yourself, wait a sec, charisma is an English word. You've been speaking Greek your whole life. You just didn't even know that this was a Greek word. In our modern time, charisma means like gifted in front of people or gifted with people. But the way that this word is originally used in the Bible, it means gifted, but gifted in a different way. The word charis, it means grace. It's the Greek word for grace, charis. It's grace. I have a friend who named his daughter charis because he thought that was a very beautiful name. I think it's a great choice, unless your last name is Maddox. Then it gets weird. Some of you will get that joke at lunch. All right, charis is grace. Now, when you add the little emphasis or the ending rather ma at the end, it means gifted, grace, gifted. And so the Apostle Paul says, no matter who you are, I don't want you to misunderstand or to be uninformed about what it means to be grace gifted to have capabilities that are beyond your control, beyond what you deserve, and yet things you can use in order to transform the world around you. We might define spiritual gifts as the supernatural enablement of the Holy Spirit in the life of any believer to serve God's kingdom. Grace gifted. Every Christian is grace gifted. So let's talk about these spiritual gifts. In verse four, Paul says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all people. So there is a grace gifting that's available to you as a follower of Jesus. Something that you don't have naturally, but it's given to you by God's spirit in order to work miracles. That is to transform, to make a difference in the world. He says here, there are 
three types of spiritual gifts, or he says there are different types, and we're gonna highlight them in three types here for you. We'll put them on the screen. If this is interesting to you, I would encourage you, take out your phone and snap a picture of this, because you can look these up later, and uh, it might be helpful to you in your study and growing in your understanding of how the Holy Spirit wants to work in your life. There are different types of gifts, 1 Corinthians 12 says. And so when you read through the Bible, there are three places and three essentially types of spiritual gifts that are mentioned. If you look in Romans chapter number 12, we have what are called the motivational gifts, or we could call them the motivational gifts. They're things like encouragement, generosity, things like love, things like administration is one of those gifts. It's really cool. There's a lot of them and they run the gamut. Then you could look and you could find in Ephesians 4 what we might call the ministerial gifts. These are the things that Jesus gives to the church to fulfill the leadership roles. Things like pastor, teacher, prophet, apostle, whatever it might be. And then in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, which we're gonna talk about this morning, there are what we could call the manifestational gifts. That is the Holy Spirit at work showing up in powerful demonstrative ways that you could never fully comprehend or explain. One thing we don't have time to get into this morning, but I find it very interesting. If you read Romans 12, it says the motivational gifts specifically come from God the Father. It spells that out. Then if you read Ephesians 4, those ministerial gifts, it says they specifically come from the Son, from Jesus. And then when you read 1 Corinthians 12, which we just started to, it specifically said that these are gifts of the Spirit. That is, as we mentioned last week, the Godhead, the Trinity, is at work in your life every single, every single day. He's doing and bringing about in you and around you the things that he wants so long as you're willing to cooperate. So let's focus this morning just for a couple minutes on these manifestational gifts, because this is what people get hung up on. I've told you guys before, we have an interesting mix in our church. We have a lot of Baptists. We have a lot of Pentecostals. We've got people with Roman Catholic background. Then we have people with no spiritual background whatsoever. So let's focus a little bit on these gifts of the Spirit that we find here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. And I want you to keep them in your mind, especially as we move further into this week, because I believe that God wants to move in these ways through each and every one of us. It says in verse 7, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That word one there, it means each person. Let me ask, are you in each one? Are you a person? Of course you are. And so the gifts that, the, that Paul is talking about here in 1 Corinthians 12 are for you. I want you to notice that it doesn't say to each pastor, God has given the following gifts. It doesn't say to the each mature Christian, God has given all of these gifts. It does not say to every person who no longer struggles with sin, to each person who no longer doubts, to each person who goes to church and puts money in the offering bucket every single week, it doesn't say any of those qualifiers. It says to each person. That means you. If you are a follower of Jesus, there is a grace gifting. There is a way that the Holy Spirit wants to move in you and through you that you may have never considered before because you're in each one. This is for you, not just me, not just the people that are serving on the dream team this morning, but for each one of you. Scripture says to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given 
for the common good. Can I point out something that um, you might be surprised to hear me say? He's about, Paul is about to list out a bunch of spiritual gifts here. Can I tell you that you don't have any of these gifts? You don't have any of the gifts that are found here in 1 Corinthians 12, but the Holy Spirit has every one of the gifts found here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. I want you to pay special attention to the fact that it says to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. This is really important. I want you to track with me here. Every single Christian, first of all, is charismatic. I want you to know that. Every single Christian is charismatic. Whether you're a Baptist like me, and you're like, oh, I don't, I don't get down with those uh, crazy Pentecostal charismatics. We're all charismatic when you understand what the scripture says. We are grace gifted. The spirit wants to move in us and through us to accomplish God's will here on the earth and to advance the, advance the mission of Jesus. So we're all charismatic. Don't be afraid of that. When you see people getting hyped up and excited here on Sundays, that's because we are hyped and excited about what God is doing in our lives, okay? That's number one. The second thing, and again, I wanna highlight that word manifestation for you, the second thing that I want you to understand about gifts of the Spirit is that you don't possess the gifts of the Spirit, you manifest the gifts of the Spirit. You don't possess them, you don't have them. You don't have the gift of faith. When you need faith, the Holy Spirit shows up and gives it to you. You don't have the gift of working miracles, but when the time comes for God to use you to do something transformative, the Holy Spirit is gonna show up in ways you didn't expect, in ways that you cannot explain, and he's gonna use you to do something that is gonna stick with you forever, and it's gonna transform somebody else. You don't possess these gifts, but you manifest these gifts. So that frees you up. You don't have to sweat it anymore. You don't have to worry like, oh, well, I don't have the gift of faith, and so right now I don't have any faith, and it's not my fault because God didn't give me that gift baloney. That's not how it works. You can't say, well, I don't have the gift of generosity, so I'm not going to be generous. No, you have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit manifests his power and gifts in your life right when you need them. So maybe you're going through something and you need one of the gifts that are mentioned here. I don't want you to think to yourself, well, I don't have that gift, so it's not available to me. I want you to pray that the Holy Spirit would manifest these gifts in your life because it's up to him to show up in your difficult situations. It's not up to you to uh, you know, develop or to have these gifts and come up with them on your own. All right, let's read this list here that he gives. We're gonna wrap up. He says, there are different kinds of gifts with the same service, the same God works in all of them. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. He says, to one person, there is given through the spirit, the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. Uh, to another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, person prophecy. To another, the ability to, to distinguish or discern between spirits. To another, a speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of those tongues. And he wraps it up by saying, all of these are the work of the one and the same spirit. And he gives them to each one, each person, each one of you who is a follower of Jesus, he gives them to each one just as he determines. 
Now, this is a bit of a long list. We don't have time to go through each one this morning. So I'm going to give you, again, a little bit of a framework. Pull out your phone. Let's snap a photo of this because this might help you in the future as you learn and grow in your spiritual gifts. The gifts of the Spirit that are mentioned here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, there are nine of them. And we could divide them up into discerning gifts, declarative or spoken gifts, and then dynamic gifts. The Bible doesn't use those words. We invented those so we could better understand what 1 Corinthians 12 says. Discerning gifts. And it specifically mentions knowledge, wisdom, or the ability to discern, to discern between spirits. Again, if the Holy Spirit manifests these in your life, wouldn't it be great if you were faced with a situation where you did not know what to do and you said, Holy Spirit, can you give me a word of wisdom today? Not, I've been given the gift of wisdom, so I better use it and figure out what to do. Not, I don't have the gift of wisdom, I just don't know what to do. But instead, to say, Holy Spirit, I believe that you can show up and give me wisdom to know how to move forward. Or to say, Holy Spirit, I need the ability to have faith right now. Could you manifest faith in my life when I'm doubting, when I'm struggling, when I don't know what I should do or how I'm going to make it? Can you give me faith? Whatever it might be, I want you to lean into the Holy Spirit and I want you to ask him to manifest these gifts in you so that you can accomplish God's will and move, live, walk in the power of God's Spirit every day. There are discerning gifts. We could say there are declarative gifts, dynamic gifts. All right, we're gonna, we're gonna shift to one more passage here because this is so critical. And if you don't get this, you will misunderstand everything I've said this morning. So don't check out just yet. Give me five minutes. If you continue on, that was 1 Corinthians 12. Then you move into 1 Corinthians 13, the next chapter. The apostle Paul begins to say something that is so critical. He begins to talk about spiritual gifts in chapter 12, and then he's going to say something here in chapter 13 that really is the key and linchpin to everything. Before in chapter 14, he goes on to talk about gifts again. He says this, you should eagerly desire the greater gifts. That is, there are some gifts that are good. There are some gifts that are greater. So he says, here's how you do it. I'm going to show you the most excellent way. I want to make a Bill and Ted's reference there. Most excellent, but I won't. Okay. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, Paul says, but I do not have love, then I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I use the gift of tongues, if I have it, if the spirit manifests it, but I don't do it from a place of love, if my motivation is not love for God and the world around me, then I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, then I am nothing. He says, if I give all that I possess to the poor, that is, if I walk in the gift of generosity, if I were to surrender my body to the flames, and that word really means hardship. When you hear flames, don't think hell. That's not what he's talking about here. When, if I were to surrender my body to the flames, but I did not have love, then I gain nothing. So Paul is saying here, these gifts are awesome. You need them. You want the Holy Spirit to work in you and through you, but you want him to do it because of 
the love that God has for you and the love that he's given you for the world around you. Love becomes the most critical thing. And so for a few verses that we don't have time to read, he starts to point out how all of these spiritual gifts are one day going to pass away. One day we'll go to heaven and there won't be any need for prophecy. There won't be any need for tongues or the interpretation of tongues. There won't be any need for healing. Those days will have passed. And yet, he says, if we skip on down here to verse number 13, even at the end of time, even when we're in heaven, enjoying eternity with God one day, even then, he says, these three will remain, faith, hope, and love. And then he says, the greatest of those three is love. So there are gifts, there are greater gifts. And I want you to see the greater gifts are not tongues. The greater gifts are not healing. The greater gifts are not interpretation or prophecy or sarcasm, which some of you guys seem to have. The greater gifts, the greatest gifts, faith, hope, and love. And out of those three, the most important is love. Do you understand the consistent teaching of the Bible is that the greatest New Testament miracle is love. This is the miracle that the world needs to see. This is the thing that God wants to manifest over and over again in your life. He wants to manifest love. Sure, he can manifest faith. I believe it's possible for God to manifest tongues or healings or whatever he wants to do. But I guarantee you in every one of your life, in every moment of the day, God wants to manifest love. Do you see what Jesus said there in the passage? Let's move on. You see what Jesus said here in this passage, John 13, 35? This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples, by the tongues you speak in. Nope, he doesn't say that. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples because you pray for people and they get better. No. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples because you just seem to have faith when the odds are stacked against you that everything's gonna be okay. No. Jesus said... The way that everybody's gonna know that you are one of his followers is because of the love that you show to the world around you. The greatest New Testament miracle, the biggest manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit is the ability to love all people unconditionally, even when they don't deserve it, even if they don't believe the same way that you do. Why? Because love transformed you through Jesus. And it's the way that Jesus is gonna use you to transform the world. The greatest New Testament miracle is love. Can I speak on behalf of all the skeptics and unbelievers in the room? Would you give me permission to do that? I wanna talk to those of you guys who are Christians and I wanna speak on behalf of your neighbor who's not here this morning. I wanna speak on behalf of your friend or family member who came in to see you get baptized and they think this is all BS. Can you just focus for a sec, brothers and sisters, and hear me? The unbelieving world around us does not care if we speak in tongues. They do not care if you have faith to move mountains. They don't care if you spend 20 hours a week in prayer with God. They don't care about any of that. They care about whether or not you love the world. They care about whether or not your faith is making a difference in your block, at your office, in your family. And in order to do that, you've got to manifest love. That's what you should desire. That's what we should pray for every day. Holy Spirit, give me the 
Just give me the capability, the power to love people the way that I should. Because if we do that, it is the greatest miracle the world could ever see. Love is the greatest miracle in the Bible. So eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Ask God to manifest his power in your life, but don't ever do it without love. Don't ever do it for your own benefit or comfort. Do it for the glory of God and the sake of the world around you. When you do that, the people on the outside of our faith, the unbelievers who are watching you, they will start to take you seriously. When you really love the world in a way that they have never seen before, they will take notice and they will want what you have. We saw this incredible example of this this week. And I don't want to end on a down note, but man, this is exactly what I'm talking about. You know, in the U.S., back in my home, there's a big scandal going on with the Gymnastics Association. Perhaps you've heard about that. The, the team doctor took advantage of young girls for years and years and years. Horrible, heart, heart-wrenching, just awful, awful, awful thing. And at the doctor's sentencing this past week, the gymnasts were able to get up one by one and they were able to speak to him about the hurt and the pain and the heartache that he's caused. And they were able to say whatever was in their heart. And there were lots of girls that got up and said, man, you deserve to go to jail and I hope you stay there forever. You're rotten hell, buddy. That's basically what they said. And yet there was one girl that stood up. She was the girl that initially broke the story. Her name was Rachel. And she got up and for several minutes began to present the gospel. And she talked about how terrible what he did was and how awful it was. But she began to speak about how she had the ability to love and forgive the man that abused her because God had loved and forgiven her. Do you understand that that moment was way more powerful than me praying in the spirit a few years before? There are people all over the world that are hearing her gospel witness because she was willing to speak in love in that moment. I would encourage you, go read the articles, go read the stories. I mean, it's mind boggling and it's all motivated by the transforming love of Jesus. Guys, there are spiritual gifts. There is work of the spirit that's available in your life. And I want you to desire it. I want you to pray for it. I want you to walk in it, but I want you always and primarily to be characterized by love because that's who God is. That's how he changed you. That's how he's gonna change the world through you.